You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Open your Bibles. If you've got a Bible with you, awesome. If it's on your phone, don't Snapchat. I'll find out. We have cameras watching you. Don't snap right now. Just get on your Bible app because we are continuing. We are continuing to look at this ancient book. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are walking in this room and you're like, the Bible? What is the Bible? I thought that was this old, outdated, irrelevant book. Like, why the heck are you reading it? Here's the crazy thing. We believe, we believe that this ancient letter that was written almost 2,000 years ago, still to this day is the most powerful thing that you and I could ever spend our times reading, reading, and here's why. Because this ancient book, written thousands of years ago, is the breath of God, meaning we can come in contact with the God of the universe as we learn about him. And here's the thing, every single one of you, whether you recognize it or not, you were created to be in a relationship with God. And so this book has something profound to offer us. We find ourselves in, uh, in Colossians chapter two, where we're continuing last two weeks. We spent two weeks in Colossians chapter one. It's written by this guy named Paul who hated Christians and then met Jesus and then decided to fall in love with Christians. That's what Jesus can do to you. That he hated Christians, wanted nothing to do with them. And then he came face to face with Jesus. Jesus changed his life forever. And some of you have had that experience. And because Jesus changed Paul's life forever, he couldn't help but love and serve Christians. In fact, last week we talked about how he actually found joy in the middle of his sufferings because he was that close to Jesus. Think about it. What would it take for you to be able to find joy in the middle of something incredibly painful? Nothing can bring you joy in the middle of incredible amounts of pain other than a relationship with Jesus. And and what we're going after, what we're going after tonight during our time together is that you were created to walk with Jesus and that a relationship with Jesus was always meant to be a passionate lifestyle. That a relationship with Jesus was never meant to be a passive attendance at some kind of event, but a relationship with Jesus was always meant to be some passionate way in which you live, that everything about your life is different because you know this Jesus who gave up everything for you. And so what Paul is gonna do in these few verses is he's gonna talk about this idea that faith, a relationship with God, is actually a very fragile thing. That your faith, your relationship with God is very fragile, that it could be, it could be easily shaken, it could be easily challenged, it could be something that maybe you show up and you come here because your friends are here, but, but if your friends didn't show up, you probably wouldn't come. Or, or if your friends are reading Jesus or going to camp, you're going to camp. But in terms of you like really engaging with your relationship with God, you're just not there yet. What Paul says is that our faith is fragile. And if we're not careful who we listen to, and if we're not careful to walk with Jesus daily, our faith might die. But there is another kind of faith. There's another kind of relationship with God 
that is so strong, that is so powerful, that is unstoppable, that it doesn't matter what the people around you think. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't even matter what you're going through in your life. That there's a kind of relationship with Jesus that is so earth-shattering, that is so powerful. I'm so sorry, guys. Hello? Thank you, thank you, Mel. Again, saving the day. Saving the day. Let's see if it does. We'll just switch packs real quick. Okay. Is that okay? Is okay. All right. All right. There's a kind of dynamic, a kind of real relationship with God that has the power to help you sit in your room when the worst of things has happened and to give you hope and to give you, how do I do this, Ian? Just take that off. Thank you, Ian. mini-me. Give it up for Ian. Thanks, Ian. All right, are we good? Are we good? There we go. Good job, Ian. There's a kind of relationship with Jesus that has the power to change everything. Find me in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, it begins like this. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. Now, Laodicea, where the heck is that? That was a neighboring city to Colossae, okay? So Colossae is where he is originally writing this letter to, but clearly other people in the community are going to find out about this Jesus guy and the difference that he's making in people's lives. And so Paul is saying, look, I'm passionate and I'm contending for you. And then verse 2, he says this, My My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul says, I have one message for you, and it's Jesus Christ. All the wisdom, all the wisdom, which wisdom is knowing what to do, knowing how to think, and then acting on it. That all the wisdom you need to know what to do with your life, how to live your life, all the knowledge that is absolutely meaningful and eternal is found in Christ. I mean, think about it. Anything you ever really, really, really need to know at the end of the day is found in a relationship with Christ. And because Paul is so incredibly passionate about this, because for Paul, Jesus is greater than everything else, he says these words beginning in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Let's pause there for a second. Here's big idea number one tonight. Big idea number one is this. That we have been invited to receive Jesus as Lord. That you have been invited to receive Jesus as Lord. Now, the the New Testament was written in this language called Koine Greek. It was a language that everyone would have been able to understand in that day, and it has since been translated in English so we can understand it. This word receive is a really interesting word. It's paralambano. I want you guys to repeat that after me on the count of three. One, two, three. Paralambano. Paralambano. Here's what it means. 
When it says that you, that you received Christ as Lord, it doesn't, it's not a passive receiving. It's not like you were just kind of sitting there and someone at a camp or someone's up here or whatever said, hey, stand up if you want to receive Jesus. And you're like, all right, fine, I guess I'll do it. This idea of receiving means you were hungry for it, means you were passionate for it, means you took hold of it. Meaning this gift was literally going to change everything about your life. And here's why. Because the gift wasn't just a nice addition to your life. The gift was a new Lord of your life. This word Lord, this word Lord in the Greek is kurios. Kurios. I want you to say that on the count of three with me. One, two, three. Kurios. And what it means, what it means is master, king, one that I can trust, Lord over all. And in the original language, there's the, there's, uh, the article, there's the word the there, meaning, meaning you received the Lord, not any Lord, not just a Lord as in like you received a boyfriend or girlfriend or you received a promotion or, or you received this opportunity that might fade. No, 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 you received, you received a gift from the Lord of the universe, the ruler, the one in charge. You see it over and over and over over again. For Paul, Jesus is a really, really big deal. He's not just a nice guy. He's not just one option among many to get to God. Jesus is the Lord. He is the one that you have received. And and here's the thing. The gospel, the gospel, which is the message of Jesus, that Jesus is the Lord of the universe, is not just intended to make you feel good. It's not just a nice idea. It's the truth. It's truer than anything you've ever experienced. It's truth that will last for all of eternity. You see, the gospel, the, the fact that Jesus is Lord literally upsets and uproots and challenges every part of you and I's life. The way we interact with people dramatically changes because the gospel is that Jesus is Lord and you're not Lord. You see, this is the hardest part for us. Is I really, really, really like the idea of Jesus being someone I can go to when things are really hard. I don't love the idea of him being the Lord of my life. You know why I don't like him being the Lord of my life? Because that means I'm not the Lord of my life. That means how I want to respond in this situation is not cool with him. And if it's not cool with him, then I've got to change. You see, whoever the Lord is of your life dictates the way you go, dictates who changes, dictates what your life will be about. And Paul says, Jesus is Lord, that he is the king. And you guys, this language was so offensive and was so dangerous. A few months ago, many of you know this, a few months ago, I was in Thailand, and I was preaching in Thailand, and while I was preaching in Thailand, um, I I learned a lot about the country, and one of the things I learned about the country is that in Thailand, they have a king, and every time the king walks by, you have to bow down to the king, and if you talk poorly about the king, then you could be thrown in jail, you could be tortured, that if you believed anyone else was king above the king of Thailand, then you could be executed. And I remember when I was there for two weeks, I began to live in a little bit of this fear of, man, I don't even know who this guy is. I've never even met him before, but he's got a lot of power. And I'd be terrified to cross him. 
And the same is true back here 2,000 years ago when Paul is writing this letter. Rome was in charge. Caesar was king. In fact, Caesar was called Lord. And Paul says, I don't care what they call Caesar. He is not the Lord. He is not the true king. Jesus and Jesus alone is the true king. The reason I share that with you is because if Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life, it may mean basketball or soccer or that boyfriend or that girlfriend or that video game or that addiction or that activity can no longer be the Lord of your life. And you have to make a decision who is going to be the Lord of your life. But here's, here's a little tip. You and me, we make really bad lords. We make really, really bad kings. But you and I living in full submission to the king of the universe, to the Lord of all, that is exactly what you and I were wired for. You see, God is not to be understood as a genie that we just get wishes from, but he is the Lord of all. And once you've received this amazing grace, once you've received the forgiveness of your sins, that everything has been wiped away, once you've received Jesus as Lord, then Paul says, well, the next step, the next step is equally as important, and it's what it means to walk with the Lord, what it means to walk with Jesus as the Lord of your life. Maybe some of you, you're still hung up on that, that receiving the Lord, and you haven't gotten there yet, and that's okay. And I want you to talk with your small group leaders about what does it mean to receive the Lord as my Savior? What does it mean to, to invite him into my life and to, to be forgiven? But many of you, many of you, you have made that decision, and yet there's still something in the way of you walking with Jesus as the Lord of your life. And in four words, in four words, Paul lays out a blueprint and describes what it means to walk with Jesus as your Lord. Check out what he says next. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Continue to live your lives in him. How do we live our lives in him? This is how we do it. Continue to live your lives in him. Rooted. Rooted and built up. We're going to look at each one of these words. Rooted. Number one, what does it mean to, to walk with Jesus as Lord? It means that you're rooted. How many of you have ever been to the beach? We do this with our kids all the time. How many of you have ever been to the beach and you just like put your feet together and you begin to like kind of wiggle them until like the sand begins to like, to like kind of climb up and all of a sudden like you're feeling a little tense and, and you can't really move. Y'all felt that before? What you're doing in that moment is you're rooting yourself so that when the waves come, so that when there's a temptation to walk away, man, you are rooted. You see, I think if you want to be rooted in the Lord, you've got to first make a decision and a commitment that you're going to stay put. And here's what I mean by that. Some of you, some of you, you show up on Wednesday nights and you're into this and you're reading the Bible and you're talking about stuff and, and you're learning about Jesus. But then literally Thursday, there's no difference in your life. Thursday, you're not reading the word. Thursday, you're not spending time with God. Friday and Saturday and all the way, you get all the way back down, back to Wednesday. You're like, man, it's been a while since we talked, God. He's going, it's because you're not rooted. It's because you haven't decided to stay put. You see, some of you, some of you, and we talked about this before. We talked about this last week. If you haven't started the DFK, the Deeper Faith Kit, I want to challenge you to start this. This is one incredible way to get rooted, to literally dig your roots down deep, to grow in your relationship with Jesus in a way that's real. It's like, I always use this example. I remember when Sarah and I were first dating, well, I remember when we were first friends, before we were ever dating. 
And we would text each other. Maybe some of you have had this moment before where that girl or that guy that you're so into texts you. And you know those feelings that you have, right? You're like, this is awesome. She likes me, I think. I don't know. And she was texting me. She was texting me. And wouldn't have been absolutely foolish, wouldn't have been wildly foolish for me to go, oh, I can't wait to respond in a week. Wouldn't that be insane? That would be ridiculous. If she was like, hey, you want to hang out tonight? And I'm like, I'll see you in a week. That would make no sense. But you and I, and I'm just as guilty of this, we do this every single week. Where God says, I want to hang out with you. I want to know you. I want to connect with you. And we go, awesome. I'm free next Wednesday at 7. I'll see you then. And he's going, no, no, no. I want a daily walking with you. See, when when Paul says here, when he says, continue to live your lives in him, what he's literally saying in the original language is, continue to walk in Jesus. Continue to walk with Jesus. And the first way we do that is we are deeply rooted. Here's the thing. Deep roots, deep roots in Christ are oftentimes the difference between falling and overcoming. If you have deep roots in Christ, if you know who he is, it will oftentimes be the difference between you falling flat on your face and you overcoming whatever you're struggling with. Here's what I want. I want to give you a very practical challenge. If you want to go deep, if you want to, if you want to set down roots in your relationship with God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write I want you to write scripture verses. Whenever you read a scripture verse that inspires you and challenges you, I want you to write it on a piece of paper and I want you to put it up in your room. And I want you to tape verses all over your room so that when you walk in, you're looking at God's promises. You're looking at what God is teaching you. And you're saying, this is who I am becoming. This is what I'm about. These are the roots that I am making. The next thing Paul says, he says, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, rooted and built up. So if rooted is going deep, built up, built up, I want to talk about your identity. I want to ask you a question that as you're being built up, who is it that is influencing you? Students, I want you to wrestle with this question right now. Who is the greatest influencer of your life? Is it a celebrity? Is it a coach? Is it a relationship? Is it a dream that someday you'll go to this college and do this thing? Who has the greatest influence over your life? What Paul would say is, you guys, I've tried it all. The best influence for your life. The best person to ultimately build you up into the kind of person God wants you to be is going to be Jesus. Because he is going to give you worth and value. And he is going to build you up in a way that will help you to handle the storms of life. I was doing a wedding last weekend, and um, this guy came over to me, and he said, he said hey, uh, can I tell you a story? And he's a really old dude, so I was like, it's going to be good. I'm like, yes, you can tell me a story. And he said, I want to tell you a story about my uncle, my uncle Chester and his wife Mary. They went to seminary, and they graduated, and then they decided to go to Vietnam to be missionaries for 52 years. While they were in Vietnam... For 52 years, they had seven children. And while they were over there, World War II broke out. World War II broke out. 
And they were suspected to be working with the CIA, though they weren't. They were just planning churches, telling people about Jesus. They were suspected to be working with the CIA, and so they were sent to a concentration camp. And at this concentration camp, the only way you ate was if somebody brought you some food or if an animal came through your barracks and you were able to kill it. And for five years, for five years, they lived under these horrific conditions. They believed that the wife was especially working with the CIA, and so repeatedly they tortured her with shock therapy. So much so, so that the whole right side of her body, she couldn't move. Starvation hit the family, and it, it got so bad for them that two of their children, two of their young children, died. After six years of being tortured and asking the question, God, where are you? They get out. And they're Americans, and so they have an option to go back. And yet, guess what they decide to do? They feel called to go back to Vietnam and to continue telling people about Jesus. You see, this is a family that was rooted and built up in Christ. That when the worst, the unimaginable, the unfathomable, when the events happened in their lives that most of us would look at and say, okay, God, I'm done with you. If you're gonna do that to me, if you're gonna do that to my, if you're gonna allow that to my family, I mean, I don't think God, I don't think God did that. I think evil did that. God doesn't cause evil, but he works through evil. But I think most, most of us, me included, would look at that, and if, if I had to go through that, I would go, I'm sorry, God, I just don't know if I could follow you any longer. And yet these people, they had a kind of relationship with Jesus that enabled them and empowered them to handle the worst of circumstances. Don't you want that kind of strength? Don't you want that kind of ability? The next thing that he says, in fact, is he uses the word strength. He said, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. What he's saying here is strengthen, meaning where do you get your strength? Where do you get your courage? Where do you get your power from? And if your power, if your power only comes from a kind of relationship with God that is on your terms, that tank will drain quickly. But if you have a kind of daily dependence on the Holy Spirit saying, whatever comes my way, God, I will love you, I will trust you, I will lean in, that's a tank that the Holy Spirit will constantly and continually fill. It's kind of like, um, does anybody like to work out? Anybody like to work out? Who likes to work out, right? Okay, so I've worked out twice, and here's what I learned in the two times that I worked out. Here's what I learned, here's what I learned is that if you're running on the treadmill or if you're bench pressing or whatever that is or if you're doing the leg thing, whatever you're doing, if you're working out, you must breathe. You have to breathe, right? Has anyone ever tried that before? Like if you try to hold your breath, you are not gonna be able to work out. If you work out, you must breathe. Here's the way God set up the universe. He set it up in such a way that if you want to truly live, you must pray. That just as working out is to breathing, so living is to praying. That without having a deep kind of prayer life, a deep connection with God, a dependence on him, you can't live the life that he wants you to live. You can't walk with him. Here's a prayer I want to teach you. And it's a very, very simple prayer. And I find myself praying it all the time, and it's this. Jesus, how do you want me to handle this? 
Jesus, how do you want me to handle this? Sometimes I pray this, Jesus, help me to see that person the way you see them. Jesus, help me to love that person the way you love them. I want to show a picture real quick. Some of you know this girl. Her name's Ronnie. Um, anybody remember Ronnie Romero? She graduated from HSM a few years ago. Um, she's an incredible woman. And Ronnie, Ronnie was passionate about Jesus in high school and then went to college, and her faith just exploded in this really incredible way. And the other day, Ronnie came by to visit us and, and to say hi to us, and, and I was asking her about her life, and she was telling me about this friend that she has. And there's this friend that, that's a challenging friend for her to be around. And this friend can make life difficult at times. And there's been moments where Ronnie has said, you know what, I'm not sure that I can continue to love this friend. And then she heard Jesus say this to her. He said, I want you to love your friend because I love your friend. I want you to love your friend because I love your friend. See, students... We don't love broken and hurting people because we have some, like, I don't know, different heart than the rest of the world does. Like, we, we love hurting and broken people because God lives inside of us and because God loves broken and hurting people. So if you're in this place and you're broken and hurting, you're welcome here. And we love you like crazy, but I want you to know we don't just love you because we're extra nice. Or we don't just love you because I got my Starbucks today, right? I don't just love you because like Sarah and I are in a good mood and have a great relationship right now. Like I don't love you out of this Eric self place. I love you because God loves you. Because God's crazy about you. And then lastly, lastly, this is what Paul says. Rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith as, faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This is what it means to walk with Jesus. It means to have eyes that see the gifts of God all around you all the time. He describes a life, not of daily thankfulness, but overflowing, meaning literally viewing every experience you have as there is a gift to be received in this moment. That even in the most painful of circumstances, you can still find some gift from God. I wonder what that gift is in your life right now. I wonder what challenging thing you're going through that God wants to remind you is a gift. I'm not going to show this clip and I'll, I'll end here, um, but uh, Chris Pratt, anyone know the actor Chris Pratt, right? Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt just won an award and he was on the MTV uh, movie awards and he was, he was, uh, he gave a speech and one of the things he did in his speech is he told everyone listening, he said, God loves you and God has a plan for your life. And so I looked up Chris Pratt's story and maybe some of you know it, but I just wanted to tell it to you right now in case you didn't. Chris Pratt formerly didn't know Jesus. Before he was an actor, he didn't know Jesus. And Chris Pratt walked into a grocery store with a bunch of his friends one day and he walked out a little bit early and this guy walked up to him that he had never met before. This was before he was an actor. Nobody knew who Chris Pratt was. And this guy walked up to Chris and said, what are you doing tonight? Are, are you, are you going to be smoking? Are you going to be drinking? And his response was, I hope so. That's what he said to this guy. And then this guy looked him in the face and he said this, Jesus told me to come over here and talk to you. 
and he told me to tell you that he has great plans for your life and that he loves you and that he cares about you. And Chris and this guy began to have this conversation. And as soon as his buddies came out, they said, Chris, come on, let's go. And Chris, in that moment, said, guys, I'm not going with you. I'm going to hang out with this guy for a little bit longer. Two days later, two days later, Chris gave his life to Jesus. And then one month later, he was working at a restaurant, and a director came up to him and said, I think there's something different in you. Would you consider auditioning for this show? And you say, I think about the ways that God has used Chris Pratt incredibly, but I think about that person, that person who was just going to the grocery store and felt like God was telling them to talk to Chris. What an amazing thing to be a part of. And I deeply believe that if you and I are rooted, if we're built up, if we're strengthened and dependent on the Holy Spirit, and if we live lives of thankfulness, that we will walk as Jesus is Lord of our lives, and he will do the unbelievable. But why, why? Let me just close with these words. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When you were dead, he made you alive. And students, that invitation continues 2,000 years later. That every one of us are dead in our sins, but he and only he can make us alive. But if you've made that decision, then my last question for you is this. Are you walking with Jesus as the Lord of your life? Or are you still at the receiving stage? And if you haven't started that yet, maybe tonight is the night to get started. Let me pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for these students, God. Thank you for what you're teaching us through your word. Thank you for... This letter that Paul wrote that has profoundly impacted my life, God, and ultimately points me to you, Jesus. God, I pray that we would be a community that walks with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hold on.